Our reading this evening is from Philippians. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Paul knew something about loss. In fact, in some very material ways, he knew something about loss. He had been on a ship that was shipwrecked, cast ashore an island, the hands of the deck just sort of holding on to whatever pieces of wood they could find. They had thrown overboard all the cargo, and their lives were spared. Paul knew something about loss, and that's what that word means. It refers to the kinds of things that would get thrown overboard if a ship were in a storm and you were trying to just save your life. And you can imagine what that's like. Imagine even being on a ship that's loaded down with treasure, full of riches, and you find yourself in a storm, and the storm is tossing your boat to and fro, and you're capsized, and you make it to shore just holding on to a single plank of wood, just by a hair's breadth you are saved, you would feel like it was worth it to have lost all of that treasure, to have lost all of those riches just to have your life. You would not trade your life for all of the riches that you had before. That's how Paul regards all of the things that were in his life before God called him by the gospel, before God opened his eyes, before he baptized him and made him his child. He counts it all to be loss, like the loss of a shipwreck. He escaped with his life, and he counts it worth more than anything else. It's important to note that the things that Paul sets aside, the things that he counts as loss, are not the kinds of things that the world would set aside. They are, in fact, like treasures on a ship. You've heard the list of things that he gave, things that he had to boast in before he became a Christian. He was the best Jew there was, the best Pharisee there was. He had every reason to stand above all the others. He was a leader among his people. He had been trained from a young age to do just what he was doing to be obedient to the law, and to persecute the church. 
All of those things that would have been counted by his peers as high and noble and wonderful things, those are the very things that Paul counts as loss. He's willing to throw them overboard, to leave them behind, not to regret losing them because of the surpassing worth of what he has found in Christ Jesus. Think about that in your life. It's easy enough to set aside things that the world thinks of as worthless. It's easy enough to think about your life the way the world does. Oh, you waste your time doing this or that or the other thing, and you could use your time better. You could enjoy your days more fully. Yes, we all make those kinds of mistakes. But Paul is saying that even the best things in this life, the most noble things, the things that this world, even when it's at its best, the things that this world would acclaim, those also should all be counted as loss. They should be tossed overboard. They should be left in the sea because without that, without leaving them behind, we are lost. We go down with the ship. Instead, we should toss them overboard, count them as lost because we have been given something better. In fact, our lives in Christ Jesus. He uses another word to describe those things. It's actually kind of a profane word. It comes through in our English as rubbish. But it's much more like what you'd find in a manure heap. This is what Paul is thinking about when he's listing all of these things that he has to boast in. They're rubbish. They're worthless. They deserve to be burned up and tossed away because they are worthless in comparison with knowing Christ, with having the glory of Christ, with having the righteousness that belongs to him, not by obeying the law, not by being an upstanding, blameless person, but by being clothed with Christ's blood being washed by Christ's washing with his baptism, having been made clean and perfect and holy by Christ, as opposed to trying to make himself clean and perfect and holy by his own righteous deeds, which Isaiah tells us are all worse than filthy rags, fit for the rubbish heap. Paul sets all of it aside because he has come to know Christ. He praises the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Christ himself is the treasure. Christ himself is what you gain when you set everything else aside, not just the blessings of Christ, not just some gifts that he gives you, although he gives you gifts in abundance, not just some promises, not just some kind words, not just his presence with you, but he gives you himself, promising to dwell within you, So that the life you live in Christ, the life that Paul lives now in Christ, is a better life than he could ever have imagined because it's Christ's own life. He loves now with Christ's own heart. He trusts his heavenly Father with the faith of Jesus, who was willing to listen to his Father and be obedient even to the point of death, despising the shame, so that he could experience the surpassing joy of giving you himself. That's the treasure. That's what Paul counts as gain, Christ himself, the best thing that God had to offer, his very own son, that is what he has given to you. It's unimaginable how glorious that treasure is. We cannot fully appreciate it. We can, at best, see it through a mirror dimly. But there will come a day when we will see it face to face, when we will appreciate in all its glory what it means that Christ is ours and that we are his. And that his life is ours and that is the life that we live. And one day we will live it perfectly, not just by faith, but also by sight. This is what Paul looks forward to. Having set aside everything, 
having set aside the righteousness of the law for the righteousness of Christ. Why? So that he may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's the power of Christ, the power to raise the dead, the power to bring to life things that were lost for good, the power to bring out of nothing something glorious and splendid, the power of his resurrection. But notice this. Take heed of this. At the very end of this lesson that we read, Paul says that knowing Christ and knowing the power of his resurrection involves also sharing in Christ's sufferings and becoming like him in his death. So it really is a picture of shipwreck, a ship that's full of treasures that the world would love. But in order to have Christ, in order to have your life, that ship must be destroyed, which means you must spend some time in the water swimming about, waiting for Christ to pull you to shore. It means you must suffer with him and be drowned with him in baptism. You must be put to death with him, be buried in his grave. But the glory of Christ is that what goes for him goes for you. And so... If you suffer with him, and if you die with him, then, as Paul says, you will have done everything possible to attain to the resurrection from the dead. It will all have been given to you by Christ, who is yours. Rejoice. Rejoice again. Here he says it again every week. Rejoice in the Lord. And Paul says that it is no matter to him, it doesn't bother him one bit to say these things to the Philippians over and over and over again. And so we will never tire of saying them over and over and over again and hearing them again and again. That Christ is risen and so also will we, his beloved, rise from the dead. To him alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.